Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Lineout podcast. I apologize uh, last week with so much fantastic rugby on offer that I wasn't really able to get anything out. As I had mentioned before, uh, unfortunately, the pressures of work at the moment and for the foreseeable next couple of weeks are going to be such that it's going to be fairly hard for me to uh, get either blogs or podcasts out. But uh, anyway, now that the November internationals are over, I should be able to get at least uh, one podcast out a week and at least one blog piece. And on that note, this uh, episode is the first in a series of five episodes in which we kind of unpack the recent November international window and look at, you know, rugby's top 10 teams and in terms of the Six Nations competitors and the rugby championship competitors. So, yeah, well, essentially for the Six Nations, obviously, we'll be looking at how Italy, Ireland, uh, France, Wales, Scotland, England got on in November and what that means leading up to the Six Nations and beyond just around the corner. And then for the four rugby championship uh, competitors, Argentina, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, how their November uh, went and looking ahead to what it means for them in 2022 and beyond building up to the next World Cup. So yeah, there'll be five episodes uh, where we look at two teams in each episode. And I'll be doing a similar kind of theme over on the blog. So yeah, like I say, once again, apologies for uh, not being as productive or uh, prolific as I, I would like to be, but uh, work has to take priority at the moment. Before we say anything more, though, I would just like to give a big shout out to the Canadian women's team. Uh, they played Wales this Sunday. And it was uh, absolutely outstanding. Um, really good, solid win uh, of 24 to uh, 7. That's that's really good going, ladies. Uh, very, very impressive effort. Uh, and as something as, as Canadians, we should all be, be proud of. Um, and a real sterling effort. You know, they... they it was, they were under the cosh for the first hour. It was, you know, seven to five in favor of Wales. And then that last quarter of 20 minutes, they just came out of the blocks and just put the Welsh away and then some. So, yeah, just a huge effort from them. Uh, something to be celebrated over on the, the blog, on the TV page. Uh, I've actually got a link for the whole uh, game on uh, YouTube. Watch it. It's as a Canadian rugby fan, it's something to cheer about. And uh, hopefully Kingsley Jones and the men's team have watched that uh, on an endless loop and, and learned something from it. So, yeah, on that note, just wanted to point out a little bit of a little bit of something for us uh, here in Canada to cheer about. So well done to the Canadian women and onwards and upwards. Uh, excellent, excellent effort. You can really feel proud of yourselves. But into the business of today. And what we are looking at are the the two teams that kind of, if you're looking at results in terms of November, the two teams that probably had the least to cheer about. Um, and that is uh, Italy and Argentina. So we'll start off with Italy, because I think in many ways, Italy had the worst November campaign of any of the 10 countries. Um, 
you know, they've, they've got a new coach, Kieran Crowley. Uh, we're all very familiar with him here in Canada. Probably not in a particularly positive light. Uh, if you look at it and think about it, you know, it was under Crowley's reign that Canada started their slow and inexorable decline into uh, international test obscurity. Um, so, yeah, and his when he left Canada, he coached Benetton uh, last year in the Pro 14. Benetton failed to win any of their matches. Now, they did pull it around in the Rainbow Cup and end up going to win the Rainbow Cup as a precursor to the, the new United Rugby Championship. And Benetton right now are actually doing quite well in that in that tournament. But yeah, an interesting decision, I think, in terms of the Italian rugby union to appoint Crowley. Really mixed bag. And yeah, you know, the last year or so, it's they've, they've kind of changed coaches willy-nilly. Uh, a little bit like they, you know, the way they change prime ministers in, in Italy. Um so yeah, I I am not sure that Crowley is the best man for the job. Uh, I would have almost felt it was worth sticking with uh, Franco Smith for a bit longer, but anyway, what do we know? So anyway, it is it is what it is. Crowley's your man, um, and uh, let's see how it goes for him. But I I think looking back on. Oh, November, I don't think he can feel particularly optimistic. Uh, Italy started off um, against New Zealand. And I think, I suppose if you are going to draw any positives from November from for Italy, that first game, ironically, is probably the one you're going to look at. Um, you know, Italy managed to hold New Zealand or keep New Zealand off the scoreboard for the first half an hour. That was pretty impressive. Uh, then once that they New Zealand did score, well, then the dam kind of imploded and, and the rest was history. But, you know, what we saw from Italy in that first half hour was pretty encouraging. Admittedly, New Zealand were pretty awful, but and very, you know, uncharacteristically awful. But, uh, you know, there's, you know, some of that was due to Italian pressure. Um, they looked pretty good, I thought. But, you know, as the game wore on, all the all the usual Italian Achilles heels, lack of patience, lack of discipline, lack of execution, etc., all of those snowballed, and, and you ended up with, with the scoreline that, that you did, um, which was, you know, a pretty emphatic uh, victory for New Zealand at the, end, at the end of it, as New Zealand romped away with uh, 47 to 9. And I think more worryingly is, despite some real promise on attack, uh, particularly in the shape of guys like winger Monte Ioanni, Italy didn't get any tries on the board. So, yeah, not uh, a bright, shiny new start, which very quickly became tarnished as, as the game wore on after the, the half-hour mark. Uh, so, yeah, that was, that was them against New Zealand, probably um, arguably their best uh, effort of, of the month. Next up, they had Argentina, um, and I don't think there was anything really there to, to get excited about at all. Um, yeah, Italy got a try, but then Argentina got four. 
Uh, and, you know, Argentina were kind of down and out themselves. So, you know, the scoreline should have been a lot closer than, than it was, which ultimately it was 37-16 for Argentina. I just think a lot of the time Italy struggled to cope with Argentina's physicality. They looked disorganized. They didn't seem to handle pressure very well. Their temperament got the better of them. Uh, you know, discipline was was really poor, I thought, uh, from Italy. Uh, and that's always saying something when you're playing Argentina in their current state. Um, so yeah, it was it was just a really poor performance. You know, so they exit that and, you know, all the positives from the opening half hour of that New Zealand game now seem to be very far in the distance. They take on a Uruguayan side as their last match of the month. And let's face it, Uruguay's on a roll. They, they're the first America side to qualify for the World Cup. You know, they beat the Americans. They're, they're looking sharp. And all credit to Uruguay, they, they came to play. Uh, and again, you know, Italy looked like they were struggling. Um, you know, they, they cleaned up their, their, their penalty count a little bit, but their execution wasn't really, wasn't really there. They weren't using their wings out wide as much as they could, which is, you know, really unfortunate because they do have attacking players. You've got a real attacking playmaker in, in a guy like Paolo Garbisi. And I think interestingly enough, you know, Garbisi, Flyhoff Garbisi, I don't think he had a great November, quite frankly. Um, you know, the, the kind of confidence and spark that we saw from him while he was playing at Benetton um, and for Italy last year did, didn't seem to be there. I don't know whether that's due to his the transition of him now playing in France, but he seemed out of sorts. Um, his kicking wasn't as accurate as it was. He just didn't quite have the spark he had last year. Uh, so yeah, um, so yeah, overall, I thought it, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't a great November for Italy and not a great start to, to Kieran Crowley's, uh, coaching regime, but you know, onwards and upwards, uh, I think they can take some stock from that opening half hour against New Zealand. They can build on the wind from Uruguay. Um, and yeah, you know, it's it's not all gloom and doom. I think their biggest areas of concern, I, I don't think they have a very effective front row. Um, his technique is poor, gives away too many penalties, can't seem to face up to heavy-duty opposition. Uh, I think their second-row stocks are, are a lot better. Um, I think, you know, guys like Federico Ruzza has to be started as a starter, not a bench starter. Um, he's definitely... You know, he's good at line-out steals. He's good uh, in the loose. He's good at the breakdown. He's a good defender. Good with ball in hand. Makes good meters. I've been saying it all year. They've got to start playing him as a starter. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Nursing a bit of a cold at the moment. But yeah, I think they, get, they have decent second-row stocks. Uh, they've got good back-row stocks if they could just maintain their discipline. Um you know, they, they've got guys like Sebastian Negri, um, Michele Lamaro. I th- you know, I think that's all good. Bram Stain, um, 
yeah, lots, lots to work with in, in the back row. Um, this new guy, Giovanni Lakata, number eight, really like the look of him. Um, but yeah, they're, 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 their back row stocks are strong, as I say, with the second row, Nicolo Canoni, Federico Ruzza. So, you know, from five to eight, Italy look in good shape. Tighten up the execution, tighten up the discipline, but uh, yeah, not too bad. Uh, in the halfbacks, I think Stephen Varney and Paolo Garbisi is a good pairing. I'm not sure there's the depth to back it up uh, if either of those two are injured. But yeah, definitely some promise there. Out on the wings, you know, I think uh, Eduardo Paravani is is looking pretty sharp. Um, you know, Pierre Bruno is looking pretty good. Uh, yeah, uh, but, but Mayuani, for me, he was Italy's player of, of the month. Um, get that man the ball and get him space, get him running for you. I think he's become pretty good at defensively as well. Um, imaginative, strong, makes the running lines, you know, just, just a good player to have. Uh, the centers, I like the look of Zanon and Argentinian import uh, Juan Ignacio Brex. That's looking strong. And at fullback, uh, Minozzi, again, <coughs> a little bit worried about depth at fullback for Italy. Padovani can switch from the wing to fullback. Um, Minozzi's outstanding, but he's just, to me, he's unfortunately a, a little bit of a um, a little bit of an injury liability but uh, yeah you know let's let's see how it goes um, yeah uh, remains to be seen there I think so that's it you know I think Italy aren't gonna do too well in the six nations I think they're gonna struggle um, their run of games at home is is not particularly promising um, you know, they've got, um, they've got, uh, they're away to France, they're away to Ireland and they're away, um, to England as well. No, they have England at home, uh, and they have Scotland at home, but they're away to Wales, Ireland and France. That's a tough run of games given their present form. England's on fire, so even the Stadio uh, Olimpico isn't going to be that much of an advantage. And Scotland, you know, uh, there's always a potential banana skin there in Rome for Scotland, but I, I can't see it this year. And then they haven't got a particularly uh, challenging summer tour. So I think, you know, it's survived the Six Nations and really build for their summer tour because they're going to play Canada and the U.S. Well, Canada, I don't mean to be disparaging, but that should be a soft win for Italy. Um, and then they got the U.S., which should should be a decent contest. So, yeah, a lot of work for Crowley and his, and his staff to do. Um, there is the nucleus of a good squad in Italy, um, provided the injury gods uh, are kind to them. There's definitely stuff to work with, but uh, yeah, it's it's discipline, it's patience, it's execution, it's all the things we've been saying about Italy for as long as we can all remember. So, 
see how it goes. Um, yeah, a tough, tough month for Italy and not too much to get excited about. But put it behind them, focus on the Six Nations and get one or two good games out of the Six Nations to really make for a, a good summer tour and then start building towards the World Cup. Next up, Argentina. Uh, they've had a year from hell. Let's, let's be completely honest. They've been essentially on the road for a year, in and out of COVID bubbles. Um, and you could tell, I think, by the time they got to this month, the players were all tired and weary. Um, the passion was still there, but it was a subdued passion. And a lot of the times it was a frustrated passion. These guys just need a break, I think. You know, their coach, uh, Mario Ledesma, has said that he feels that you know, mentally they've taken strain um, and it's it's affecting their performance. You know, some people will say that's a cop out by him, uh, but I, I disagree. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk in Argentina right now that uh, he is not the man to take them to France. I disagree. Uh, I agree. He hasn't had a particularly good year. Um, but, you know, let's not forget they did beat the All Blacks last year. Um, they did beat an understrength Welsh side uh, in the summer. Um, and, you know, they dispatched Italy fairly effectively. And I also thought against France, that was a close game. You know, that was a seriously close game. Um, it hung in the balance a lot, that, that match. So... I think if you actually take away some of the negativity that's swirling around in social media and the press, um, while Argentina will probably just want to wrap this year up and be done with it, I don't think their November was as bad as, as some people made out. And I think last Sunday's game in Dublin, the, the guys were just at the end of the road. Um, you know, it was the last game of, of the whole thing. The whole game kind of felt like that, you know. After the, the hijinks of Saturday with England and South Africa and France and New Zealand, it felt like a little bit of an add-on, I think. And everybody just said, we're done now. The, so I think, you know, to some degree, that's kind of what you got. And it was reflected in the performance. Certainly, obviously, not from Ireland, but I certainly think in Argentina, it was for Argentina, it was just a bridge too far at the end of a long, tough year. So... Yeah, like I say, I, I am not of the opinion that Ledesma should be shown the door. I think he's the man to take them to the World Cup. Uh, I think there's the nucleus of a very strong side there, especially in development. And I think if you look at Argentina, that's what happens. They tend to build slowly and quietly. And then by the time the World Cup rolls around, everybody's paying attention to them. And I think that's going to be the case then uh, in two years' time. I think... We saw enough of the new talent in Argentina this this month that it's exciting. Um, it's definitely exciting. And, you know, we know what they can do under Ledesma by beating the All Blacks. So I I would say to, to, to Ledesma's critics, put away the knives and let the man do his job. You know, as I say, it's been a tough year for everybody. They've, a lot of his decisions have been forced by injury. Uh, there's the fatigue factor. There's the... 12 months on the road factor there's there's a lot of things that conspired against argentina and argentina are not a bad side um you know they as we've seen they they can be everybody's bogey side they can be 
Argentina's bogey side. I think sorry, they can be New Zealand's bogey side. They can be France's bogey side. Ireland know them very well as a bogey side come the World Cup. So I think if you're to look at this November and write Argentina off, you're making a huge mistake. And I think most of the coaches out there would would agree with me. Um, like I say, look at that French match. It was an exhausting arm wrestle for 80 minutes. Um, and, you know, Argentina were in it all the way. Um, you know, their discipline and, you know, certain aspects of, of how they played let them down. Um, you know, they're, they're struggling with a few guys, especially, you know, prime example comes to mind, Santiago Carreras. You know, this new understudy for, for Nicolas Sanchez. You know, he's struggling with getting to grips with his role. But, I'm, again, I, I would say stick with the experiment. He is a good playmaker. He is a good attacking player who, like Sanchez, is not afraid of the rough and tumble as a fly half. He gets stuck in. His goal kicking is not good. And Argentina need to fix that because also their go-to guy for that in the absence of Sanchez um, Buffelli, that wasn't really working for them this November. So yeah, they've either got to designate another kicker or find another kicker because between Carreras and Buffelli, it ain't it ain't looking too too pretty. Um, but yeah, you know, I I I really thought that French game, although Argentina lost, you know, they didn't get destroyed. Um, they went toe to toe with with Argentina, uh, with with France, and uh, yeah, I, I I don't think there was too much to apologize in that one. And then a good game against Italy, you know, they 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 dominated Italy, got the job done, and got a solid win. And in doing so, they showed, you know, that their physicality is still there, and a very very effective weapon. They've got great attacking players. They got smart, intelligent. Uh, players who can find space and use it. That was a good showpiece of what Argentinian rugby can do. So, yeah, uh, again, lots, lots to work with. I still think they have a world-class front row. I still think their scrummaging prowess, while not as good as it used to be, is still a potent weapon. Um, in Montoya, they have an outstanding hooker and captain. Uh, you know, he was one of my players of the tournament, despite being attached to a losing cause a lot of the time. And, you know, he gets a lot of stick that, oh, he's not Augustin Creevy. But, yeah, no, he isn't Augustin Creevy. They're two very different individuals. But I think as a leader, he's stepped up very well to, to fill the rather large boots left behind by, by Creevy. I think their second row is the stuff of nightmares. Um, I was very disappointed to see Lavanini get that red card uh, against Ireland because I had actually thought that he'd kind of cleaned his act up. But, um, yeah, sadly, it still seems he is a liability. But, you know, with guys like Guido Petty uh, in the line, in the lineup particularly, you know, he's a lineup poacher of, of note. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think... If you're worried about Lavanini, I really like the the look of uh, Lucas Paulus. So get you know get get some development going with him. Uh, you know maybe sadly, you know leave uh, leave Lavanini to play his club rugby in Europe for a while and, and really focus on Lucas Paulus. 
their back row is world-class and will remain so. Uh, you know, I think Pablo Matera had a poor discipline uh, record this November, but he's still a player. He's still a, a force to be reckoned with. Marcus Kramer is utterly outstanding. Uh, again, he's, for me, one of the players of the month. Um, it's just he clearly got frustrated uh, this this month, and his discipline slid as a result. But you know, as as a as a player, he is just phenomenal. He's phenomenal in defense. He's you know phenomenal with ball on hand, turnovers. You know, just at the breakdowns at the rocks. He's the, the man's just a, a a beast. So yeah, uh, I'm a huge fan of of Kramer, and despite his kind of sketchy. Uh, Sketchy discipline record this tournament. I think he's worth sticking with. Um, I think their only problem is really number eight. I didn't really see Issa really coming to the fore. Rodrigo Bruni was out. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they go with uh, for there. One one Martin Gonzalez, but he's more of a flanker, the new guy. But he shows some real promise. Uh. And, you know, the halfback pairing, I thought Thomas Capelli had a really, really good month. Um, and I thought, you know, despite what everybody's saying about him, I say Santiago Carreras, stick with the experiment. Maybe think about other options in terms of goal kicking, but I think his apprenticeship as Sanchez's understudy is worth continuing with. Because um, I don't see any other options out there right now. And I think... I don't think it's just a case, well, you, you then have to make do with Carreras. I think he has potential to really grow into the position and do a great job. So I say stick with it and give the guy a chance. You know, and then what we did see is all those world-class, you know, the, the, the wingers for Argentina are still world-class. I, I don't think Bautista Del Gui had as good a month as he would like to. But, you know, he um, he looked superb against France. And I think on the left wing, uh, hello, Mateo Carreras. Uh, fast track that guy very quickly. Um, there's a really exciting prospect for Argentina. The centers. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Sorry. <clears throat> the centers. I really like the look of the new man, Lucio Sinti. Geronimo de la Fuente, I think, you know, there's some solidity there. But they have good options in the centers. I just think fullback is a question mark. Uh, Del Guy can also play fullback. So I think, you know, Buffelli had a good month. Uh, but, you know, he was not consistent in his goal kicking and just not consistent in performances in general. So maybe some inter interchanging of the roles between him and Del Guy for fullback. But yeah, you know, I just, I don't think it's all bad for Argentina. It wasn't a great month. Hasn't been a great year. Put it behind you, rebuild for next year and, and move on. You know, they, uh, next up, they've got Scotland in June for a tour. Um, and I think at home, Scotland will be just the tonic to, especially for these, this new group of players that I've mentioned to really uh, set themselves up well for the rugby championship and start getting themselves back on track for France 2023. 
So yeah, like I say, not a great year for Argentina, but I don't think it's all lost. You know, go home, get some rest, get some time with your families, recharge the batteries, forget about rugby for a little bit, and then, you know, roll on the new year. And it's it's the start of a, a new chapter, I think, for Argentina, and one that I think has potential and will be exciting. So yeah, I guess my word of uh, my word of advice to the Pumas: chin up. Uh, tough year. Put it behind you. There's still some positives to take out of it, and uh, I think you'll be you'll be back sooner than uh, sooner than you think. So on that note, I'm going to sign uh, sign off this episode. Next up, I'll be looking at uh, Australia and New Zealand. Hope to have that out this week. Can't make any promises. Like I say, I'll definitely be trying to do one one a week, uh, along with a similar piece over on the blog. But thanks for bearing with me, everyone. Um, and uh, sorry for the silences and uh, the pressures of work getting in the way, but that's that's just life. Take care. Stay safe, everyone. Uh, enjoy what should be some great United Rugby Championship action this weekend. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care.